This is Chris. And this is Andrew. And welcome to the third Video Games Cover to Cover one-shot, where we're going to talk about The Outer Wilds. And I want to preface that by saying this is not going to be total spoilers for The Outer Wild. And the biggest reason for that is because the, The Outer Wilds is very much a game that we want you to experience on your own. Yeah, we had some conversations about this and a little bit of a debate, but in the end, we settled on the idea that the thing about the Outer Wilds that really makes it what it is, is so much of it is basically about the mystery and the exploration part of it that we felt like it would really just be a disservice to go in and tell everything there is to tell and you know, ruin that experience for people, especially since Outer Wilds is a relatively new game that hasn't, you know, had hasn't had nearly as much time for people to get through it as the other games we've discussed, both as one shots or Final Fantasy X too. And from a relatively indie, I mean, I I wouldn't exactly say they're indie, but they are a relatively new studio. I, I guess, I mean, I guess you could call them indie for right now, but I know that the studio themselves, like the larger company as a whole, also has, you know, produced movies and stuff like that. So I, I don't really want to, they're, they're definitely not indie from the aspect of, you know, it's just a group of programmers or game developers sitting in a garage building a game or something like that. It's more of a, you know, a smaller company, I think, just getting started really making games. I mean, a lot of indie companies wind up getting deals with larger publishers, though. So just just because an Annapurna isn't, you know, nearly as large as some of the other publishers. It's It's not like... It's not like their publisher is Microsoft or Sony or EA or something. So I think it's still fair to call it an indie game. Well, that's that's fair. And I'm not saying it's not an indie game. All I'm saying is along the same lines, you know, it's one of those games where, you know, if this is a AAA title, I have no problem going through and like really doing a deep dive of the game. But when the game is mostly about story and you just experiencing it along the way, that's really something that, you know, I... I myself and I know Andrew, we, we, we like Andrew said, we had a, a debate on whether we were going to, you know, spoil everything or not. But especially for a one shot. No, I, I, I really would rather just have, you know, our listeners experience it for themselves. And, you know, we can talk about it in a spoiler zone in the discord later if if people really want to, because. I myself have thoroughly enjoyed playing this game. Full disclosure, I have not completed it yet. Oh, n- neither have I. I. I mean, I got quite far, but I guess I can't even say how close I am because, you know, with, like a lot of these things, it's not like there's a percentage to track or whatever. You just go until suddenly you're you're done. Yeah. and it, it feels like I've made a lot of discoveries, but I could be at the very beginning for all I know. Yeah, for for me, I I think I'm maybe about halfway. I think I've maybe put ten or fifteen hours into it. I want to say I, I'm not. I feel like I heard um, from some other people talking about it online that an at like starting from not knowing anything, it takes probably somewhere between ten to twenty hours to get to the end. Which seems about fair, especially considering a lot of my exploration is just random and without purpose. 
Yeah. So let's uh, start by just kind of going over the premise a little bit, since this is one that I feel like a lot of people have heard about in very vague terms because the internet has talked about it a lot, but maybe don't even necessarily know what it is. And I've actually seen a few people online make a comment that they thought Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds were the same thing. And given that the names are so similar, I could totally understand that. But Outer Worlds, sadly, is not out yet. So uh, we have to... They are definitely not the same game. But Outer Wilds is... I don't a, know what Outer Worlds it's is. It's the new Obsidian game. The the one that's like the spiritual f- successor to Fallout that was really big at E3 this year. Oh. Huh. I think it comes out in like... I want to say October. But regardless, it... It looks really cool. And but Outer Wilds, uh so Outer Wilds tasks you as being a space explorer, some unnamed or at least you know, the name's never mentioned alien from um not Earth, <laughs> but clearly an Earth like planet that is about to launch on their first day in space and <clears throat> Well, I wouldn't even say it's an Earth-like planet because, uh, from a scale perspective, the planets are relatively small. Oh yeah, in all, general. all the planets are very tiny. I just meant like in terms of its um, Earth-like conditions, because it's got like forests and water and all that stuff. Yeah, the the water is mainly just like geysers and stuff. But I mean, that's how you you almost every planet has trees somewhere, and that's kind of when you're exploring. That's kind of the way that you breathe and everything. And there's definitely stress when you're low on oxygen and you have no idea if there's trees anywhere close. So the game definitely has, you know, some stress and factors to it, especially when you both run out of jetpack fuel and you're low on oxygen because your jetpack fuel becomes you take if you run out of jetpack fuel, you use your oxygen. Yeah, to propel yourself, or to stop from dying on a big fall. Yes, but so you start and you know you run around on the planet a little bit to get adjusted to the controls and everything, and it's a little tutorial world that you can spend as much time on as you want, and then you take off and get in your little clunky rocket that is extremely fragile, but kind of a lot of fun. Well, so, I mean, not to spoil the whole story or anything like that, but it is the tutorial world, so we can spend a little bit more time on it than that. I mean, that's fair. I just... Ba- basically, you're you're not exact... I mean, yes, you're tasked with going out and looking, you know, for, through space, but you're one in a line of people who have already went out and already started exploring your your universe and it it doesn't make i don't know if it goes into where you came from because it it, it, you just kind of start there and i don't know if the tutorial planet ever really went into whether or not this planet housed life in general it doesn't really make sense to me because it seems like everyone on this planet has something to do with the space program well at least in the area that you're in because you're the tutorial area is not a very large chunk of the planet, and I am pretty sure you can land in other areas and look around. Yes, but looking around on the entire planet, there's no more of these of these aliens anywhere else other than people who are aware of the space program. 
Yeah, Have I mean, you not explored the first planet at all? No, because I spent all my time on the other planets outside of the tutorial area. I didn't actually go in and land on wow. Earth. Somebody, I think it was somebody. Clearly, did not take the advice of uh, the guy you get the launch codes from. I don't know. I don't remember who he is, but he's up in the observatory. Uh, But so essentially, you wake up next to a campfire, and it's the day of your launch, and you need to go up to the observatory to get launch codes. And on your way, you kind of get a little practice tutorial of flying a ship, and then you get. There's another area where you can go into and kind of repair a satellite, so you get used to repairing things and, in in space. Yeah, and also yeah, zero tra- and also like zero gravity traversal since it's a weightless conditions. Because uh, at least for me, a lot of the things you do took some real adjusting. Like I I had especially flying the ship. I feel like I crashed a lot in the beginning, and so. I really appreciated that that tutorial area was there to at least let you get a feel for things at first. I really didn't have any problems. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's I, I don't know what it was. I just was, especially just takeoff, or not takeoff, but landing, I feel like I messed that up all the time. Landing, for me, was incredibly simple. I mean, all you're doing is just creating counterforce when you're plummeting into the planet. Yeah, all I mean, I understand the is... logistics of what I'm supposed to do. I just was apparently bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I took to it relatively quick. I think the the only time that I really crashed during a landing was actually not during a landing at all. I had launched and I was getting ready to engage autopilot to go to the brittle world. I think, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, autopilot engaging," and it's doing that thing where the the two lines intersect because it's plotting the course, and then all of a sudden I hear like and then i fall right back to the main planet apparently as it was rotating some trees caught me (laughs) and i just flew back into some woods somewhere (laughs) i actually had to wait for a reset because when i got out i was Thinking to myself, oh, I'm on the main planet. I won't have any problems. There's air and everything, so I don't need to put a suit on. Well, guess who is still up in the trees and hadn't fully landed yet? (laughs) So I opened up the hatch and fall like 20, 30 feet. And I I take a, a fair bit of damage. And now I'm stuck just walking around the planet because there's no getting to my ship at this point. Like it's it's up in the trees. I've got no suit. I have no way to get back to my ship. So, guess I'm just exploring, which was which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely had a couple times where I've accidentally lost my ship and spent some time just wandering around. And I definitely probably found things that I wouldn't have if I had been able to get back to my ship because, you know, I since I didn't have a base of operations to go back to. I just sort of kept going until I couldn't anymore. So on continuing on the tutorial planet, after you kind of go through all that, there's this museum of sorts where they have a lot of relics of a precursor uh, civilization. I think the Nomli? Nomai, I think. Nomai. And I really, it, it's the writing the 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 way that they chose to like have this 
race, write stuff down is incredibly elegant. It's it's hard to explain, it's but essentially spirals. it spirals. And then for every conversation piece, multiple people can be conversing. Essentially, somebody writes something down in a spiral, and then anyone who has a comment from that just spirals off of that. And it when like there's a-, a long conversation, it, it makes a whole bunch of spirals in this really kind of ornate looking pattern. And it's a really interesting way to... It, it kind of feels like a fractal or a flower or something when you look at it like the complete conversation. I really like it. Yeah, it, it's by far one of the most interesting ways I've seen a unknown language. Yeah, and same here. Your Your character, the main character, just happens to be the only one who gets... Uh, of the... F- Four or five? I think, there's, I think there's four other astronauts, so that you'd be the fifth one. Well, there's one that everybody thinks is lost. Right. Um. So I don't know if he would... Was he considered a part of that four? Because I think, think there's four that you can talk to. Okay, so I know I've six. talked with three, or I know I've talked with about four, and I haven't even been to the water green planet yet. Okay, yeah, because there's a guy there, so... Okay. And then wherever this Feldspar is, assuming... I I honestly don't know if he's alive yet or not. I assume he's out there somewhere because they keep mentioning him, and it would be weird for him to keep coming up if not. I've seen his notes here and there, and it definitely alludes to the fact that he's gone, but he seems to be the only one that has landed and then taken off and gone into other areas. Yeah, because all the other astronauts you run into just sort of like camp out where they landed. And one of them, did you did you see the guy on the Brittle World? Yes. Who's basically afraid of space? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, so, on that note, the worlds are actually all really interesting. There's only, like, five or six of them, but they're all very unique. And each one is clearly... Um, it really explores a lot of the mechanics that the museum back on the first world does a really good job of being kind of a tutorial for all the different mechanics for the alien artifacts and stuff you, that you're going to find. Yeah. Because you find these like doctor who esque angel shard things that when you're not looking at them move, which yeah. is very disconcerting. Yes. And can be very confusing in terms of like, those ones took me a little while to even figure out like how to get them where I want them. <laughs> I didn't realize you were manipulating them in any... I mean, there's a couple puzzles in some of the worlds that kind of need you to put them in a specific spot. Mm. Well, there was one on the Brittle World where it's a massive pillar. I don't know if that's the one you were talking about, but I landed once in the area, was like, oh, hey, cool, pillar, looked away, and then suddenly my ship was like flown across the map <laughs> and like half of it was destroyed. And I'm like, well, guess I'm not leaving Brittle World because now my ship, like the luck that I've had with my ship has not been anything I've done myself. It's been the environmental hazards have just absolutely, I've had very bad luck with. In fact, the first place I ever went, because I when when you go up there and you talk to the the head guy in the observatory who gives you the launch codes, 
he mentions that, hey, you know, what do you want to do? And my my response to him was just, hey, I think I'm going to take it slow. And he said, hey, that's that's great. I would if you're going to do that, then I would suggest going to the moon. Mm -hmm. So that's where I thought I was going because I had no idea what I was doing and looking at the world map. I launched, saw two bodies that looked relatively small floating, you know, in the space. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll go there. Well, turns out that's Ash Twins. And <laughs> which are really far away, which are like the farthest planets away. <laughs> and they weren't far. I must have spent, I mean, they rotate constantly. So when I happened to take off, they were like right next. Actually, it. I don't think that's true. I, I think they're not that far. They're the closest planets to the sun. But I don't, I th yeah, because I think your world's only like in the middle. So yeah, I guess they're not, none of the planets are really super far because it's a very small solar system. Well, turns out there's a sand cyclone thing on the Ash Twins, which we kind of find out is kind of like a giant hourglass yeah. later, but didn't know that. And I landed on the sand planet. This huge cyclone happens, and now I'm on the other side, not having any clue what was going on. I eventually found one of our buddies, and then, you know, we talked for a little bit, and in an attempt to get back to my ship, which is now on a different planet, I died. <laughs> and that's the first time I woke back up at the fire pit. Yeah, and it's the morning of your first launch. Which, so you find out that you're in somewhat of a time loop that you're experiencing over and over and over, essentially, if you die or... After enough time goes... I mean, well, really, when you die, because after enough time goes by, you die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and Andrew kind of spoiled this for me. Turns I, out your sun explodes. Yeah, if you go too long, the sun just goes supernova, and then everything... You, you can just watch it, especially like if you're really far out. You can just see it like slowly advancing towards you and just like... Oh, I had never experienced this. Me and Andrew were kind of talking. Of course, I had already, you know, read some things online. And so I kind of knew it. But at the time, it hadn't happened to me. And Andrew's like, oh, yeah, you know, when the sun explodes, that was my first reset. And I'm like, the what? The what now? So you're, it turns out your sun goes supernova and you're in a bit of a time loop. But you're in a time loop only after you visit the museum because there's a precursor statue in there that kind of begins the whole time loop. Yeah. And the reason I know this is because I got curious and right after I woke up and I was kind of playing around, I noticed those geysers. I flew the little ship into the geyser and then it kind of went off somewhere and I was like, Oh, cool. So you can go in there. So I jumped in, not really thinking that of the consequences, <laughs> knowing that it would be boiling hot water because you know, that's how geysers work. Yeah. And I actually got a screen that just says you are dead. 
<laughs> it's actually really funny that they included that in there for the for like exactly that scenario, given that essentially, you know, outside of what you did, I'm not sure how you could die in the beginning. You can't. Yeah. Because you just, once you go up to that, th- well, I think if you haven't been to the museum yet, I'm pretty sure it's possible to die in the zero gravity zone. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that you could you could run out of fuel or something in there. Yes, and I think that you actually have an oxygen meeting meet. I think you actually have an oxygen meter in there as well, and I do think it's possible to die in there. Yeah, and I actually got really turned around in there. I mean, I actually surprisingly I feel like I've done a lot better in actual space and in other zero gravity things than I did in the tutorial area. I got really like turned around. The tutorial area is also much more reliant on your suit. I have to say, I have not once in space personally needed to go out and repair my ship in zero gravity. I've always been able to just land and then repair it on a planet or something. Honestly, I've I've barely done any repairs at all because almost every time when I get to a point where my ship gets damaged, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm just going to stop here and look around for a while. <laughs> That that's essentially what I do too. And like I said, I really follow no rhyme or reason when I'm playing it. And I feel like at certain points when I'm playing this game, that the main character is becoming that trope of he knows he's in a time loop and he just wants it to end. So are you like doing the the thing from like Groundhog Day where you where he spent like fifty years learning how to do a card trick? <laughs> yeah, because I after after several jumps, I got the idea to go talk to all the people again because I was like, oh, hey, something might different have happened, especially yeah. because after your first time loop, um, you have the time codes, the launch codes or, or yeah, the, the, the time codes. <laughs> you have the launch you have the codes. codes to time travel in your hands and uh, you wake up. And you just start walking towards the ship. At least I did. Because I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Go. And it said launch codes in the corner. The guy's thinking, uh, yo, dude, what are you doing? You got to go get the launch codes. And I'm like, oh, I already have the launch codes. And he's like, cool. Okay. (laughs) And then it's like, you know, the sun's going to go supernova, right? And he's like, what? Okay, crazy guy, I'm about to ground you because you're like, you got some medical stuff wrong with you. <laughs> and um, then it was funny because it hadn't actually gone supernova yet. And I was like, what is he talking about? Like, what am I talking about? I literally just died. The game didn't recognize that I had went to Ash Planet and then hit so hard that I killed myself flying from one planet to another because I didn't have my ship anymore to do it. (laughs) Because the sand corridor just swept me from one to the other and there's now nothing I can do. So... I decided that I got all the way up to the observatory and I was kind of talking to everybody again. And instead of just walking back, I decided it would be faster to just jump off the side of the cliff to kill me (laughs) because the amount of time it would have taken me to walk down was actually longer than just doing the reset. 
And then while I was there, I was like, I wonder if I can die by fire. So because I was able to kill myself in the geyser, I immediately jumped into the fire where the marshmallows were at. Turns out, yes, you can die. And that was the fastest loop I had ever seen. So <laughs> I, I think the precursors are just looking at me, you know, assuming they have any control over this at all because there's the statue or whatever. Their, their essence or spirits that are left doing this whole time loop thing. They're probably thinking, this one is the one we chose. <laughs> the guy who walked up to the observatory decided, it's just faster for me if I restart the loop. So he kills himself and then thinks, huh. Can I set myself on fire? I wonder if this tutorial fire will actually burn. Turns out it does. <laughs> I then decided, now that I have a suit, I wonder if it will protect me from the geysers. So I jumped into the geysers. Turns out it does. And it also turns out that the geysers on the tutorial planet are connected in some ways. Because... Interesting, because I never jumped into those. I jumped in... I was swimming around for a little bit and then I rode the geyser back out and I was in another location and I'm like, wait, what? I know I didn't jump in the same geyser, but I, what the heck happened? It took me to where those gigantic geysers were at. So then I was like, okay, well, let me fly over to one of the other geysers, go in it and then see what happens. And then I flew over to one of the other geysers, went down inside and then it whooshed me all around, and I had no clue where I was at. And then another one shot me out, and I was up in another location on the planet. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So then I went back down into the geysers, and at this point, I've done this multiple times. <laughs> Turns out there's a precursor mine on the tutorial planet. Oh. Because one of the geysers I shot out of, I noticed there's a bridge down there. So I landed on the bridge, I went in there, and I did my exploration and stuff, and there's some kind of mine that they were using for, um, I think it was the Ash Twin Project. Okay. Yeah, there's all sorts of um, stuff all over the place about the different projects that the precursors, the Nanomi were working on. And one of those projects was they were looking for the eye of the universe. And I think that's what brought them because they very much, especially when you go to the different planets and everything, you'll notice that they actually crash landed here and then just made the best of it. Yeah. And actually their home world seems to be the, the brittle world, which is honestly one of the cooler ones because like there's actually a black hole in the center of the planet and you can jump into it if you want um and so like and they build all their stuff on the underside so you like you can just look down and hey there's this giant black hole <laughs> but that seems to be the world where they actually crash landed did you actually find their ship because i did they didn't just crash land there everywhere they were at there was a crash there were three crash sites I know of two because I found the crash site of two different ships. They, were they actual ships or these, or just the escape pods? They, 
Well, they were actual escape pods. So there was an actual ship ship? Yeah, I found the actual ship. It's on Brittle World. Well, how big is it? It's 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 pretty large because you can go inside it and walk around and explore it. Well, that the question well did it have on the out did it have a wire going out of it with the distress beacon? Okay, so maybe that was so you're saying that was the escape pod? That is an escape pod. I see I found it I thought I found what I thought was an escape pod that then went into what I thought was the ship. But then so maybe I Because all the escape pods that I found have innards to them that you can go into. Okay. Then no They they weren't like mega large, but they had like rooms where you mm-hmm. could, you know, see things that people had transcribed. Yeah, yeah. Which honestly, like we were talking about earlier, just scanning the text and reading what they had to say was probably my favorite part of the game. Because of all the little random gadgets you get, I love that one. I will say I did a fair amount of exploration on Blit- Brittle World, and I saw where the escape pod was on there. Maybe that maybe it was an escape pod then, and I just thought, um. Because their escape pod was pretty big. Okay, then then yes, then that's probably all I found. Was it bigger than the ship that comes to the gravity cannons? Uh, or was it about the same size? Yeah, it was probably about the same size. So yeah, it was probably the escape then, pod. Then yes, it was the escape pod. Did you go for a ride in that thing, by the way? From I, the gravity cannon? I did, but because the quantum moon was not lined up with whatever planet I was on, because... What they eventually one of their projects becomes trying to figure out how to land on the quantum moon, and they have a quantum ship that they launch out of a gravity cannon. And on Brittle World, there's actually this thing that they use to track the quantum moon because the quantum moon actually just constantly moves around outside of you looking at it, and so. When I launched out of the quantum cannon, because I had no clue how any of that worked yet, I just launched into deep space. <laughs> it just flew out in the middle of nowhere and just circled over and over and over and over and over. And eventually I got till I was like 34 kilometers away or something ridiculous, like way farther than any of the planets or anything. I was really far away. Yeah, I I had like a glitch out because uh, I landed somewhere that I thought was the quantum moon. I don't know if it actually was or not, but I landed and got out and started to walk around. And then all of a sudden it was just like gravity just decided to freak out. And all of a sudden, like me, just myself started like shooting off into nowhere. It had to be some kind of bug in the game because like my jet... I could stand there and push my jetpack in whatever direction I wanted and no fuel was going down or anything. It just glitched out on me. Well, did you leave the planet because you weren't around one of those purple graviton rocks? I was literally had just gotten out and just did like a small jump. And then it like it, the, the small jump basically sent me into literally I got launched so far away that the distance to everything literally started to say error. You might have to. You might have done what you were supposed to, but there may be some sort of a puzzle of something you may have to be holding when you're there. I don't know. But regardless, whatever happened, I was just like, oh, and I, I, I think it was a bug just because, like I said, the the fact that the my oxygen and my fuel would not go down at all. Like I, but- It's possible that that was a bug, but that doesn't mean that you going to that planet and immediately flying off wasn't a bug. Yeah, I mean, maybe not, but yeah. 
regardless, I got to the point where I basically just had to quit the game and relaunch the loot because I could not, I couldn't even kill myself because I couldn't run out of fuel or oxygen. So from my perspective, because it might have thought that you were still in the ship or something. I don't know what was going on, but it might have thought that you were still in the ship, but the game just like freaked out. Yeah. Because I mean, whatever, bugs that's are bound how to it, happen. So that's how it looks when you're in the ship. And there's obviously oxygen in that ship that they built. Because whatever these precursors are. Have you run into an anglerfish yet? No. Neither have I. But on Ash Twins, I found the skeleton of a giant one. A humongous one that seemed to have gotten trapped in there somehow. That apparently had babies. Because the precursors were talking about the specimen. And... Like, how big are we talking? Like, is this a fish that swam in space? Yeah. It was... Wow. Huge. It was... The skeleton mouth was about the size of the entrance to a ship. Like, I could fit... If I had walked in there, I couldn't get in there because there were stalactites and stalagmites that were kind of blocking it, sort of like a prison thing. I think that was just for aesthetics because you're not supposed to get in there. Yeah. it. I could have fit my entire body in it. This thing was huge. So super not looking forward to running into those because apparently there's a potentially live one in the museum that's just chilling out in there. It was. It definitely looked alive. May have just been, you know, the current of the water or something because it didn't, it just stood there. I mean, it's just one of those, this is in a museum, but yeah, this thing definitely looked like it was alive, which suggests that these things are still around, even though the precursors are very clearly dead. So what's really interesting about all of that is other than this anglerfish you've mentioned, you don't really, is there like anything alive out there other than? Us? I mean, like, I don't remember seeing life on basically any other planet. Well, I haven't been to any planet that would really support life. There is some sort of life on the tutorial world because they mentioned this over and over and over in the tutorial area where something hit their planet and it's caused a huge smoking crater. And you have no idea what it is. And one of the one of the researchers went out to look at it and determine what it was. It's this giant tree bramble thing that has a mouth, a rather large mouth. It looks like one of those death blossoms that you find in I th- like the rainforest. You know, those giant red things that have like a huge hole in the middle of them. Yeah. And apparently it smells like pure death in there because the whole point is it for it to attract, you know, scavengers and stuff. So then the inside of it can eat them, eat them slowly like a sarlacc. (laughs) The sarlacc flower. Yeah. It's. A gigantic one of those that has these spiky barbed tendrils that look like they're starting to choke the planet itself. Oh. Does not look good. And he mentions that he thinks it might be from the dark bramble, which is some 
thing that just kind of floats out in space that I actually never went to go see yet because I've spent the majority of my time on Brittle World because the moon has this small thing where it kind of, you know, tracks the location of like the different planets and stuff where they were kind of building like a small compass where they were clearly trying to track the eye of the universe. They said that yeah, yeah. while I was there, I saw something that said, Hey, there would be a great site for this on Bramble world. So I immediately went to Bramble world and then I spent the majority of my time there. And especially because you said there's like a whole, um, underground, what they call the hanging city. Yeah. Which honestly is awesome. It's one of the coolest areas to explore, at least that I thought of the ones that I spent any real time in. And I only spent time in one of the sections because it's actually laid out in multiple sections. There's, there's some interesting stuff. Cause, uh, one of the areas, I think it was in the school section actually, uh, which is the bottom floor. There was like some, I guess you'd call it graffiti or whatever, but some writing of people complaining about the fact that here we are stranded and they're spending all their time working on these science projects instead of like repairing the ship so we could leave. That's very interesting because a lot, a lot of the information that you find, at least some of the information that I found, especially going towards the ash planet. And I don't know how deep we want to get into this because I don't really know much, but there's a bit of an argument going on about whether they should continue with the Ash Twin planet because the energy that it is dissipating could cause issues with the solar system itself, which almost alludes to the fact that the reason the supernova happens way, presumably way sooner than it should. Yeah alludes to the fact that it might be the precursor's fault. Pretty much almost everything that's happening seems like it's the precursor's fault. And that it almost kind of seems like, at least what I'm reading into it is, the reason there is this time loop is because they all died out before they could do this, and they're just kind of saying, our bad, <laughs> um, here you go, try and fix it, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty obviously like what the overall goal is, is to fix all of the disaster. <laughs> exactly, which definitely alludes to it being their fault. The fact that it's very clearly your... The one thing that I found that I really, really like is they give you these like VR glimpses of what they were doing before. There's one room in the mine where they have a VR display and it's a little creepy. Oh, really? You know that thing when you reset that has the three eyes because they, they were clearly three-eyed beings, so three is a very like big... Like the statue. Yes. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of them all around in like a circle area. Everything else is literally pitch black. Some of them are lit up with blue lights, and some of them are not. And I have zero clue on what that actually means. From what little information I have gathered, uh, 
I think the ones with the lights are the ones that are active in time loop mode. And the reason I mention this is because I know you wouldn't know this because you never went to the water planet, you said. Yeah. Um, the astronaut that's on the water planet, because it's one of the first at places it they tell you to go, either go talk to this guy on the water planet or go to the moon. Those are like the two leads you get at the beginning of the game. Yeah. So I feel comf- comfortable saying this since it's like, you know, not exactly like a deep game spoiler or whatever, but he's also in a time loop. He's the only other person who remembers this, and he's the guy who found the statues. Oh, so the guy who brought the statues back. He's on the water world, and he talks about the fact that he is also aware of the time loop, and he's the only, of all the astronauts, he's the only one who mentions it. Very, very interesting. I wonder if you find Feldspar, if he knows about it, too. Because... Like, he will tell you, you know, that it started when it, when he found these statues or whatever, and then he brought the one back, but there might be more, and gives you some kind of locations. It's like another thing, you know, and yet another thing you can go off and explore for. But, yeah, he, because he wants you to come, he asks you to come back. I mean, all the astronauts are kind of like, come back if you have information relevant to me, but he what he wants is information about the time loop stuff. See, that's the thing, like, I haven't really... Even though I've talked to them, I really have no idea what they're actually looking for. The guy on the moon just seems like he wants a friend. Yeah. And I've never, ever went back to visit <laughs> The guy in the Hanging City wants to know about the Hanging City. That makes sense. Because that's what he's... Because he wants to go, but he's too afraid to actually go. Yeah. Because he's afraid to die. Which, buddy, don't worry. <laughs> You'll be back. Unless I fix the loop. So maybe just stay where you're at. I don't know. <laughs> But um, one of the more interesting things about it is anytime I think of like a time loop related thing or time travel in general, like your chrono triggers or whatever, you know, there's always some sort of, you know, every time is going to be different when you go back or whatever in the sense that like, you know, you have new items or something, but nothing ever actually changes in this game. Like the only thing that carries through is just the knowledge you personally have picked up. It's not like you solve a puzzle and then that puzzle remains solved or whatever. Yeah. You just get information from that puzzle and then you just never need it again. So it's like you retain the knowledge over time, specifically your ship. And then you just go from there with the information that you have. Now, the one thing you said was interesting is that could be the ones that are active that suggests that you are not the only one that is aware of the time loop yeah. because there was more than two lit up. So you two are clearly not the only two that knows about the time loop. And I'm wondering if one of the other ones may be that Feldspar, Feldspar guy. Yeah. I was I was wondering the same the same thing when you mentioned that. Um or maybe some of the precursors are out there. Somewhere. It's possible, but I would think that they, since they're the ones that really kind of control the time loop, I don't understand why they wouldn't then come and, like, you know, hang out or whatever. Like, hey, yeah, it turns out this is all ours, and uh, everything's going to explode, so... If you would just help us out here, like, I feel like that'd be way easier. (laughs) That's fair. Because if... Everyone's like, oh, yeah, they've been dead for so long, and we found their bones and stuff. If one of them's just like, yo, hey, man, it's me. I know you're aware of us. I know you kind of translate. Like, we good. We about to die. (laughs) Need to do something. 
<laughs> have to do something about this whole dying thing. <laughs> it's really inconvenient for everyone, so if you could please help. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but we definitely feel pain um, when we're dying. So, like, you, by the way, over there, who jumped off of a cliff and then immediately burned yourself to death and then thought, hey, why don't I jump in some boiling water? We understand that kind of worked out for you, but you have serious issues. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, we need you to focus here. But yeah, there's a sort of, like, mad science undercurrent running from all these precursor things, because... At least for me, like when you first start learning about it, it sounds like they're just, you know, scientists doing science stuff or whatever. But without any rules or regulations. Right, but then the more you learn, the more you learn that like people aren't really happy about the science they're doing or the people who, I don't know if you found these ones, the people who like wanted to launch the cannon at the maximum possible settings just to see what would happen and it winds up destroying this thing. Or the fact that several of the scientists are arguing within one another, basically saying, this is something we should not do. And then immediately they're like, well, we're going to do it anyway, because how are we going to know if, you know, not? Yeah. And then someone else is like, I really think this is a bad idea. It also suggests that there was like a, a that like two of them that may have been, you know, together or something like lovers or whatnot. Right. Because it talks about how they really miss them. They really have no idea how to go on without them. And they haven't heard anything from their beacon because it sort of seems like that none of them have any contact with one another. Yeah. It seems like they just crash landed and are trying to figure out. They're like, well, somebody is going to figure out how to come get us. And it almost seems like that that never happens. And they're all at different stages of their exploration. It seems kind of like the brittle world did the best because they established this whole city. And that's probably why people are upset that they're doing all of this science stuff instead of just fixing the ship. Because some of them are like, I, I seriously, and I think that was on brittle world where one of them is going I want to find them. I can't find them. We don't know if they're okay or not. Like, please. So there might've yeah. been this whole, you know, I don't want to say like civil war, but you know, it sounds like there's this whole dynamic between some groups that are like, yeah, science. Yay. We have to do this science stuff because we have to, we have to do what we came here for. And there's other people that are sitting there going, yeah, but I want to find my loved one. I want to know if they're still out there. I want to know if they're okay. And we don't have any other way to communicate other than the fact that we know that their distress beacons have gone off. The The precursors and their relationship to science is a really interesting thing. because, And this one I know definitely happens in the school area because it's definitely like on a chalkboard, basically. Like it's a lecture that some teacher was giving or whatever. But it is talking about how the the Nomi are a nomadic race and they just have these ships that fly around and then like every five years or whatever they all get together and share what they've learned to advance the species. It's very interesting. And and they're like sometimes somebody makes a discovery that you know changes life for everyone and stuff. And it's like this 
And I think that's what they were there for originally was like trying to do their contribution to the next. They were uh, trying to find the eye of the universe. Right. And I think that was, but I think, I think that was meant to be their next like submission to this like festival or whatever. I can't remember what they called it, but it sounded like it was like a festival thing. Basically, if everybody comes together and celebrates all the cool things we found and discovered. Yeah. And, and I get the impression that like. That was what they were there. This what this particular ship was there for, and then you know disaster happened, and clearly they never got what they were looking for, or maybe they did find it, and maybe that's part of why everything is broken. I think whatever they set off on Ash Twins, I think clearly has something to do with whatever is going on in this system, because. Have have you did you actually go to Ash Twins? Yes, I, I spent at least some time on every planet. Did you? Because I actually ended one of my rotation or one of my loops on Ash Twins as I was exploring the inside of it, and there was one area where I noticed the sand was rising, but there was all this gravity or ghost matter. Yeah, ghost matter. It was kind of cool because. The sand was rising. There are there are these spiky tendril things at the bottom. And if you hit one of those spikes, your oxygen is immediately going to start spewing out of this thing. So I was thinking and on it was this ravine, both sides of the ravine had this ghost matter all over it, which is very interesting because it's very clearly marked by these crystal things. Yeah. That definitely didn't seem to be there before. Yeah, ghost matter feels like because I mean they they make a brief re- reference to it like in the museum and in uh, one of the people you can talk to. One of the kids is throwing rocks into it, right? And you can warn them that that's a bad idea uh, because it is because if you ever touch it, like when you're out exploring, you basically immediately die. But it's really interesting, and my running theory as far as that goes is that's connected to whatever temporal crap they accidentally set up. That's causing all these problems. Yes, because on Ash Twins, there's this giant room with a whole bunch of it everywhere. And the only place it isn't is right through the middle of this ravine. At the bottom of the ravine are all these spiky things. So I was thinking that I was stuck and I was about to run out of oxygen. But I noticed that the sand was just rising fast enough that I'd be able to jump down on top of the sand, which would have been over the the cacti or whatever they were. And then I just walked right through the middle and then I got out and it turned out that there was like a tree or something up there. So I was able to to live until at least the end of the loop. (laughs) But Ash Twins is very interesting, especially because as you explore one, there's things that depending on where you are in your loop, you're not going to be able to see because the sand is constantly rising. And what we said was, it's kind of like a giant hourglass because one of them really is like a giant hourglass. It's in the shape of an hourglass when the sand gets almost to the very bottom because it turns out all the sand is actually being shot over to the other planet. And around the time that it ends, ish, you you have about two or three minutes after that. Around that time is when the universe or, or when the sun implodes and then explodes. Yeah, go supernova. And it, it's very interesting because as one side loses sand, more stuff is uncovered for you to explore. And as 
the other side, you know, gain sand, gain sand. There's less and less for you to see, but then it could open up other doors and other passages because now you can walk on the sand to get to the other side of a ravine that you otherwise would not have been able to traverse. Yeah. And I, some of the other worlds have a couple changes like, um, the water world, uh, with there's like waves and stuff that flood and then, um, or actually in the water world, random islands will just get launched into space. There's these massive storms and they will literally just like, you can be standing there and then all of a sudden you're in space because it just shoots you up. And then you land, and if you're not careful, immediately die. <laughs> wow. Um, the Ash Twins is the most noticeable one, but that, if there is one complaint I have about the game, and overall, I absolutely love this game, it is probably that it does feel like certain things are dependent on you arriving at the right time, and I'm not necessarily sure how you would know what the right time is, and that gets kind of frustrating. You'll know what the right time is by experiencing it during a loop. Yeah. And then you check the ship's log to know stuff. Because checking the log tells you there is a complete record of everything that you've seen. And basically saying, you know, you're still missing knowledge. Yeah, that is one thing that is very nice. As it will definitely say, like, hey, there's more to learn in this area. So this whole thing is a giant puzzle so what it it seems a little unfair to kind of call that a complaint because the entire universe at this point is basically one giant puzzle that you're trying to figure out the main reason I the call, exact time for stuff. The main reason I would call it a complaint is like I mean maybe there's something that I haven't found yet but okay if I need to go do something that's in the middle of the loop what do I do until then? Like just sitting around like basically having to sit around and waste time or whatever, if there was some sort of like time skip ability, that would make it a lot less annoying, I think. What I'm saying is I think there's enough stuff for you to do to do the quote-unquote correct path. My guess is there is enough stuff for you to do that it'll feel like you're not going to have to just sit around and wait for something to happen. Yeah, when you probably get to the when you get to the end, that's almost certainly true. Like whatever it is we have to do, I imagine there will be enough of it that yeah, we'll we'll stay very busy. Because what I do is and I think that there actually is a way for you to you can go to sleep on the main planet and just wake up again. I don't know if that just resets your loop or not. I don't really know about that. We'd have to look and see if that thing explodes. Like if you go to sleep, does that thing explode? Like in overhead, because that's the beginning. That happens at the very beginning of the loop. You can see it happening above you. Yeah, and whatever that is, I have no idea. I did. I I went and explored that. So what is it? It's a giant cannon. They're launching a probe. It's it was basically, it was a a cannon that was built to try to launch pl- probes when they thought they knew where the eye of the universe was. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I was talking about. Where they're like, we're going to set it to maximum power to see what happens. And people are like, do not do that. It will break everything. They're like we're going to do that. And they. It was pre-programmed to launch at maximum power, and that's what makes the, everything explode. So just over and over and over, it does that. Well, every the beginning of every loop, it's the very it, it happens immediately. No, this is the literally if you if you're up there, that's the only probe that ever got launched because they never finished doing it. But it looks like somebody pre-programmed a probe to launch as a test. So maybe the precursors haven't been gone that long, or else they programmed it like way in advance. But that suggests that they haven't been gone that long, and there's already like warps and stuff like that and if you're in a time loop and they have some control over that 
I'm wondering if some of these things are kind of happening all at once. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that's what it is, because you can go up there and you can explore like the space station that it was, and it's ripped into pieces because they launched the probe at a higher velocity than the station could sustain, and that's why it's exploding at the very beginning. So, because like Cause I said- the blue thing that goes streaking off is the probe. Yeah. Because there's so many things that I still don't know about yeah. yet. Same and here. it's just there's I've had so much fun just going out and exploring randomly without following any sort of pattern or anything like that. Once I get near the end of the game, I'm obviously going to have to look at what I found and what I haven't found and what I'm going to have to look for. But especially with like Ash Twins, I've made notes to myself to say, OK, well, hit there, hit this area right away first because I want to see what's down there before the sand takes it all. Mm-hmm. And then visit Ash Twins again near the end of a cycle because I want to see what happens when there's not a whole lot left. But there's so much to do in between yeah. there. So it's like, it, I, I do agree that I do think that would be a little annoying. But I'm I'm just wondering how the loop only takes about 30 minutes, maybe? Yeah, something about Somewhere between half an hour to an hour. It's really not very long. So it would be really annoying to just sit and wait. So I guess I'm looking at it because from my perspective, like the way I was trying to tackle this was every loop. I would I sat down at my computer first thing on the ship and looked at what I had learned last time and then would pick a specific thread and be like, okay, I'm going to go look at this now. And that way, like, so I, my target was like every loop. I want to get at least one thing. Not me. That, right. But so when I look at it that way, that's the part for like, that's where it comes into the, okay, well, it'll get really annoying because if I want to follow this specific thread, now I'm going to have to sit around for a while and that's annoying. Then you should just explore randomly like I do. I just do whatever. I just go out. And that's why I enjoy, because we had kind of mentioned this before, that's why I enjoy No Man's Sky because especially, you know, after Beyond Update just dropped. Whoa. I'm, I played it a little bit because, you know, I have to. Yeah. And I haven't played, I haven't played it since the new update, but I, it's on my list because I, even in the original state, I still enjoyed No Man's Sky, not enough to like completely beat the game, but I had fun just flying around. And when they added a story and stuff, it got a lot more fun because, you know, then your random exploring has a point actually leads to something, Yeah, but it's like, I love just going out and exploring stuff and figuring stuff out. I love that. And this is just like, it is such a perfect game if you want to just go out and explore because you're almost every time going to find something unless like me, you're a super masochist who loves like, how could I die today? <laughs> but even how then, I can guess I end this loop? Even then, I guess you're technically learning something, but yes, the th- Outer Wilds has impressed me a lot in a way that at least originally No Man's Sky didn't, and uh, I'm, I know is a lot better now, but because No Man's Sky was huge, but it really felt pointless a lot of the time. And so that I mean, was No Man's Sky's problem is it is huge, and it's like sometimes you got to find the specific thing that you need, and it's like, okay, well, I got to travel to six different planets to. You know, yeah, you can scan the planets and stuff. I don't know if you could at the time. I think I'm pretty sure you could. But it's like, still, you may not find a planet that has that. So then you have to warp again. And it's like, 
I love No Man's Sky, but I do. There are times where it's like, yeah, and I really wish I didn't have to do this. And by comparison, the one solar system in Outer Wilds is very small, but it is extremely dense because, like Chris is saying, you know, any given launch, you could even if you don't specifically have a target in mind, and you just go somewhere, you'll yeah, you'll probably find something new, and that's one of the things that's the coolest about it. And because it's such a small world, unlike No Man's Sky, like everything was specifically designed, and so like all of this density has like th- there's a point to it, and there's like specific things you're looking at, and it's not just you know, a random algorithm building it. Don't get me wrong. No Man's Sky is an incredible technical achievement, being able to build all that universe and stuff, but there is... And that that being said, that there are giant sections of just nothingness, especially if you land in the wrong place of a planet. There are huge sections where really nothing is happening. But what I would do is I just fly around a planet and land near something of value or something that looked cool and just went from there. Exactly. Like, I would just get really low on the planet and just fly around slowly looking for something that looked interesting. And that's the thing. With No Man's Sky being so large, it sometimes takes a while to find something that looks cool. And, and a lot of the times, it just because looks it's, cool. <laughs> because it's procedurally generated, sometimes you land and then you're like, oh, wow, there was a bunch of cool stuff that my computer just couldn't render at the time because my graphics suck yeah or you know it looks neat but there's no reason to be here other than to look at it don't get me wrong looking at it's cool or whatever but like all of the things that are going to attract your attention in outer wilds have something to do even the the pointless geysers that you think are just nothing right on the tutorial planet there's even like junk down there that you can look at yeah and like and that's part of it is you know, Chris and I both have spent a, a good 10 plus hours in it, and we're, we both learned things about this solar system that the other one had no idea even existed, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's just it's just a fun game to experience, and when I say that, it's like it, you are very much experiencing the story as it's laid out in front of you. The gameplay is very light. Really, all you do is just fly and land because there isn't really and then translate stuff because there are no guns or anything like that to like move things it's literally just traversing the planet when you're going around cacti and sometimes they're in your way or sometimes bridges will break especially on brittle world yeah there's there's a there's some environmental puzzles like that but there's nothing it's not a super complicated game in terms of, you know, the controls or anything. It's very straightforward and it's it's just you're literally just exploring and experiencing the story. It's it's an archaeology simulator is what it is. And it's just it, it's just it's so much fun to do that. And if I, I, I cannot stress enough, if you like playing games like this, like exploration or or you just get a thrill of finding something new. It is such a fantastic game for that because e- even if you figure out things right away or you figure out the the only thing that I will say is sometimes you can find things out before you're really supposed to yeah. and it kind of, you know, ruins your experience a little bit just like, you know, how Sequence I breaking. died but then immediately found out that there was a supernova 
when I woke up and that was one of the talking bubbles and it's like, wait, what? I didn't, mm, I didn't actually know that, but I guess I do now. And then it's like, okay, well, let me just wait around until it happens. And one of my, one, one, it, there, there's several of my roots where I was like, at this point, I almost always reach the end of the loop because I'm not unnecessarily dying anymore because I've <laughs> done a lot of experimentations and, and everything but this game is just experiencing the story is just it's wonderful and they've really done a fantastic job and with it i'm actually even going to take that what he was saying a step further because i'm not usually really one for those exploration type games where you just kind of wander around or the survival games or things like that that's that's not usually what i'm into but outer wilds is it's really charming. It's it's very well constructed. The story is like learning these little bits of story and putting everything together. Like all of this stuff makes it really engaging in a way a lot of these other types of games don't really engage for me. So even if that's not normally something you would be into, I definitely think it's a game that's worth looking into. And I believe it's on the Xbox Live Game Pass if you have that. I think it is, yeah. So like you could you could try it right if you have that, I highly recommend at least giving it a try on that because it's definitely an experience that's worth worth having. And even if you don't wind up getting all the way to the end, which I mean, I want to go back and try to solve this when we're done, honestly, like I'm really into it. But, you know, just flying around and looking at this world and all these things, these cool things they put in it, it's absolutely worth your time. So on that note. And I can attest to that because it is so painful whenever I, I love those games, things like the raft or, you know, the forest or stranded deep or subnautica or something like that, where the whole point is to just kind of find something. And honestly, with as much fun as you're having with outer wilds, I think you dig subnautica. I think you'd actually really like it. And I would actually like to play it sometime for, you know, It'll probably be one of those that we don't go a full deep dive into just like Outer Wilds, but I think you'd really dig Subnautica too. There's the problem with Subnautica is is from your aspect, not for me, because I love exploration, but it is very much it is much more on the survival end of things where you have to find stuff to actually survive, but then you're going out in the world and just kind of experiencing this story and fixing things and stuff from there. And it's very much a like build, you know, a station for you to come back and store all your stuff in. It's see that doesn't, the survival stuff isn't inherently the issue. The issue for me and then what really winds up getting me in these sorts of games is when there's no point and i mean like the point is you know the experience but like if there's nothing i'm building towards you know if i'm just going until i die or just to build a cool thing or whatever and like i'm not working towards anything that's when i get really bored there's very much a point in some not okay well it's, so from what you're describing that one sounds fine but like i'm when i think of things like um, you don't know about the point until you find it but that is there is very much a point to subnautica okay Maybe, you know, around the time that I force you to play Bloodborne, you can force me to play survival games. <laughs> Again with this. <laughs> I'll never let it die. You're gonna let it die. No. When you die a hundred thousand times playing Bloodborne. And I'll love every second of it, even though you won't. Yeah, well, then I'm gonna force you to do a tire run through of Subnautica. 
Okay. <laughs> and on that note, now that we've threatened each other, I think that's good. <laughs> I think that'll do it for this uh, discussion of the Outer Wilds. And uh, starting next week, we will be beginning our next major game, which we mentioned before. But as a reminder, that is going to be The Witcher 3. And I have never played the Witcher series at all. I the only thing I know about the Witcher series is from what other people have told me and from mostly what Andrew has told me. So I'm going to be going into this very fresh and I can tell you that I'm super excited because I love those types of games. Yeah, and I have played um both of the other games. And I have not read the books, but I've read a lot about the universe because I found it very interesting after doing it. And at some point, I really would like to read the books. I just haven't gotten around to it because my stack of books that I want to read is possibly even bigger than the stack of video games I want to get to. So it takes me a long time. (laughs) That's going to conclude our discussion of The Outer Wilds. Once again, definitely give it a shot. It's a fantastic game. And uh, we'll see you next week for Witcher 3. New episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. (laughs) I love space.